He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script. This is the podcast where we take a deeper dive on the sermon series we just wrapped up, which is a new thing, new development for 2023, new and improved 2023. Talk about the theology behind it and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. And I'm excited to talk about the sermon series that we wrapped up uh, last week. Yes. Right? A week ago Sunday. Yes. So we originally were going to record last week, but there was the ice storm. Yes. A little bit. Yes, a little so issue of the ice. Messed, messed up a few things. Yes. Right. So we're going to take you back. Excellent. <laughs> but it's going to be great. I can remember that far back. Mm-hmm. I can a little bit. Well, you wrote questions down. I so did. I think it would be good memory <laughs> joggers. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for those of you that maybe weren't with us, so we did a series um, kind of what uh, was our springboard for it was the book, The Awakened Brain by Dr. Lisa Miller, who was actually with us. Um, the last weekend in January, who was phenomenal, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. I think we should start with that. So okay. tell, tell us about Lisa Miller. You had the most interaction with her, mm-hmm. both in the planning and in the execution over the weekend, because it yeah. was also Broadway Cafe, so my my personal attention was split between two Correct. things mm-hmm. yeah. on Saturday night anyway. So tell us about Lisa. Yeah, so um, Lisa was actually here at Christ United a few years back, and um, people really, really loved her. That was with her f- uh, first book, The Spiritual Child. Um, and so when we started planning, well, Chris kind of had, you had the idea of bringing her back for, as we kick off our 50th anniversary for this whole year that we're going to be celebrating all year long. And so we reached out because she has a new book, The Awakened Brain, and it's talking about <clears throat> how, uh, well, the full title is The New Science of Spirituality in Our Quest for an Inspired Life. Mm-hmm. And she really talks a, a lot about mental health mm-hmm. and how spirituality Um, helps with that. And so we started this conversation over a year ago. Um, and she is just so brilliant Mm -hmm. and yet so, um, easy to read speaks in like great terms where you're not like, I have no idea what that means. Like she's not this high level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just the most kind and humble. And I mean, people sat with her, I mean, the workshop, she, um, kind of went over broad brush of, a, of her book, but looked at what spirituality does to our, our brain. And there's like brain scans and all kinds of things. Um, but she would just sit and talk with people forever. So she's just got that pastoral kind of heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she did a keynote for us on that Sunday. And I mean, I think people just were so blown away by her, um, just her kind heart and her how humble she seemed to be. Yeah, and just, yeah, yeah. You know, she, she came on Saturday and she didn't have anything with her. You know, with nothing with her. And I was like, do you do you have everything you need? She's like, was I supposed to bring anything? And I'm like, oh, you're a professional. Because I would be like, let me look at my notes one more time. Let me, you know, like, and she's just, she's just like, all right, here we go. Was there a, was there a slideshow? She had, had, she had, she had sent it. it so she literally had nothing. Yeah. She didn't have a purse with her. She had nothing. She was just like, all right, let's do this. I was like, okay, you're on a whole nother level. So yeah. before the, before the workshop on Saturday night, you had asked me to come up and like, Introducers, and, yeah. and so um, we just had a couple of minutes right before the, like before she began speaking. So yeah. everybody was having box lunches and you know, eating dinner, and I was coming from Broadway Cafe because the boys were singing in Broadway Cafe, and so I just had a couple minutes. I was going to say hello, and so we sat down. And I said, you know, I, and I'm just making small talk, like, mm-hmm. you know, conversation. <laughs> and she, I said, I really love the book, and she, it's like she was looking into my soul. She I said, know, really. Tell me, tell me, what did you like about it? And I'm like, oh, uh, well, I really appreciated your vulnerability about the whole infertility thing. Thank you for saying that. I'm like, it was, like, I know, it was, it was, it was this, it's like time stopped, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just the two of us there talking this. And then she's like, I said, you know, we did a sermon. We're doing a sermon series about the book. Really, what scriptures did you what what 
Bible verses are you doing? So I said, well, like today was Psalm 40. She's like, how does Psalm 40 begin? I'm like, usually I'm the one asking the follow-up yeah. questions, right? Usually I'm the one guiding. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was it was uh, very clear very quickly that she was, that she's, I mean, clearly has a therapy background, mm-hmm. like a psychotherapy background. Yeah. And um, is very in the moment. You, you use the word Zen. Uh, she's very. She's there with you. Mm-hmm. She's an active listening ninja. Man, no kidding. Yep. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was. It was delightful to have her. And I think uh, the feedback, overwhelming, the overwhelming sense of the feedback we got about both Saturday night and um, Sunday afternoon was very positive. Um, and on the sermon series, I mean, people really seemed to resonate with what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot to cover since we're, we're covering three weeks of sermon material. So we're kind of going to bounce around. Yeah. Um, but so the three weeks were awakened. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at the last manuscript. Um, we had connection heart. What was the first one? It's really funny. Hold Actually, on. what was the first one? Attention. Thank you. Awakened attention. That's ironic. <laughs> that is ironic. <laughs> Awakened, awakened attention, awakened connection, and awakened heart, and that's based on the last three chapters of the book. Mm-hmm. So she, she does all of the kind of. I mean, it's just. A, I really do recommend it to people. It's not mm-hmm. super academic. It's there's a lot of really practical stuff in there, but there's also a fair amount of like report outs on data yeah. and, and research. Yeah. And so she ends with those three, and which seemed like the the perfect way to kind of summarize what we're talking about. So awakening, awakening our attention to God, awakening our connection. Primarily with each other. Mm-hmm. That's how we connect with God in the context of, the, of a community of faith. And then awakening our heart, which kind of means our being, mm-hmm. um, as a result of this personal devotion, which we're going to talk about. So. Yeah. Okay. So there's um, some terms that might might help us. Okay. So how did she kind of look at spirituality versus religion? Yeah. So this is an important distinction. Uh, um, and I'm always careful about making this distinction yeah so religion which is what um, well, this is not exactly the way she described it but i'm okay. i'm making uh i think you can kind of make these connections so mm-hmm. religion she calls personal conservatism which doesn't have anything to do with ideology or anything yeah. it's about uh actual religious practice so that is the way in which we specifically connect with god in our in our religious tradition. Mm-hmm. So for her, uh, she's Jewish. Mm-hmm. I assume reformed, but I didn't ask her. Um, and obviously we are a particular expression of Christianity. Um, so that means that we show up in our relationship with God in a particular way, with a particular theological grounding, a particular theological perspective. And there's a lot to learn about that. There's doctrines. Um, there are articles of religion for us. There are just theological frameworks. I mean, that's and we talk a lot about that every week. The other um, component is spirituality, which she calls personal devotion, which means specifically our relationship with God. And that um, those, that's related, certainly, for us as Methodists, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not necessarily the same thing. So, you know, it's kind of a cliche at this point. People will say I'm spiritual but not religious. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that can be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, as a pastor, I think both are very important. Yeah. <laughs> right? So um, it's not one as opposed to the other or one in lieu of the other. It's just two different um, ways of being in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then she used the word transcendent a lot. I I took that to mean the divine. Okay. So obviously we're talking about God for us as Methodists, but you can experience a sense of the transcendent even if you're agnostic Mm -hmm. or atheist. You can sense, um, you know, like the the interconnectedness of all life Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to have theological language around it. Obviously for us it does, but for somebody who's quote unquote spiritual but not religious, it may not. Yeah. Okay. And then synchron, synchron. It's kind of crazy to me how much she talks about that. Yes. About synchronicity. Yeah. Yes. And specifically during the keynote, Mm -hmm. like talking about the baby duck thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, it was intense for me. It sounds a little new agey. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, a little woo woo is what is what me and Blake said on the way home. Yeah. It was a little woo woo. But that's in the book and it's mm-hmm. and so like yeah. a, it's a uh, it was an important moment for her and like the way she understand or the way she interprets it is it's a way that God is communicating. Mm-hmm. Like we would say like the language we would use is like the Holy Spirit can, yeah. can communicate in a bunch of different ways. But synchronicity, um I think the the term that a Methodist would use um is probably like um, like providential, like yeah. mm-hmm. the way the way God shows up in the world in unexpected mm-hmm. um, circumstances mm-hmm. is what she would call synchronicity. The yeah. Hallmark Channel would call it a God wink. <laughs> a God wink. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. yeah, I've heard that too. Uh, yeah, I, I prefer providence. Yes. <laughs> Does Hallmark have a translation of the Bible? I would really like to see that. <laughs> I hope. It's a meet cute. Told entirely through Christmas movies. <laughs> meet cute with all these couples, and I'm like, that's not a meet cute. Um, the Bible is told by a meet cute. Yeah. Oh no. Um, okay, and then the last term. Now I can't remember how to say. Dysthymia. I actually had to write it out phonetically in the yeah. in my manuscript because I didn't want to. What is it? Now I'm like. So that is a it's a psychological term for a general sense of malaise, like a general sense mm. that the world and life is not as it should be. Mm. Okay. That's that a sense of unfulfillment. Mm-hmm. Okay, all and right. A lot of people experience it. A lot of people. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, her her point is that it's actually an epidemic. I mean, that's actually a, a very standard feature in some ways of modern society, yeah. postmodern society. Mm-hmm. Um, but what she was experiencing on Unit Six, which is the names names are changed to protect the innocent, like yeah. whatever, wherever she was working initially, um, is like the. Uh, an extreme manifestation of that um, or like serious diagnosed mental illness could be a um, could reflect a sense of dysthymia, but beyond what people normally experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what do you think your goal was overall with preaching this book? So I love the idea that modern science is confirming wisdom that the church has always taught. And, um, like we, in some Christian circles, the notion that science and theology can go hand in hand is almost heretical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's obviously never been the case for Methodists and what is not the case for Catholics. Not, not, at, not at this stage of the Catholic church's history. Um, but the notion that modern brain research uh, is is like technologically <laughs> proving that we ha- there are parts of our brains that are wired for a relationship with God. I think is really really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so, if we're trying to reach new people, unchurched people, people who who are trying to figure out why they need church, um, it seemed like a really good kind of outreach sermon series for to start the year we we know we like to start the year with something yeah that's of wide appeal Mm -hmm. and the fact that we already had a relationship with her the church did and that we could potentially even bring her in to talk about her research herself was all really compelling i I read the a review of the book in the wall street journal i want to say it was when did we start talking about this year and a half ago yeah because i well i talked to her like last january i think for the first time so the fall of yeah. Of 2021 is mm-hmm. when we started really yeah. talking about it. So I saw a review of it and I just thought that was really compelling. Mm-hmm. And um, because our congregation is pretty, pretty highly educated, pretty open to, to learning, which was our word for January, I felt like it was a good fit. Mm-hmm. And so we kicked it around the staff and senior staff in particular. Yeah. Talked about where, whether it would make sense and decided to do it. I mean, plus the fact that we've had, um, like a therapist on staff here for a long time, Lori, who's still uh, connected to the church, but proves that we, this is clearly a subject that our congregation cares about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, the pandemic obviously shed a lot of light on, on the mental health crisis. And so, and we're still dealing with that and coming out of that. And so I think people were really, really touched by this. And I think there was a, I mean, after I read it, I was like, Oh, okay. So this is really important. Like this is helpful for my brain mm-hmm. to protect me from 
like it really does help. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it makes everything go away. And I was very glad that she she mentioned like if you need medication, like like yeah. she wasn't dismissing any of that. Yeah, not at all. I mean, um, she's a scientist after all. Um, so that was, um, but she, I don't know. She just talked about how like this is really important for all of us and for our children and for how we raise like how we're growing spiritually is really really important. I was like, oh, this is. Really yeah, good. you know, during the um, during the keynote, she brought up something that I didn't really get in the book, and that is that we're kind of at the we're it's been like forty years. It's been a full generation or two, I guess, depending on how you measure it, since we've really talked about God in the public square. Like we've mm-hmm. removed God from the public square, which I thought was an interesting argument, um, and so that we're we have an entire generation. Of well, our generation, and then our kids, and obviously their their kids, um, are growing up in a different kind of cultural environment than than our parents did. Mm-hmm. And so, she's not saying take God out of the schools and everything goes yeah. to hell. Yeah, but she's saying that um, we have basically, as a society, ignored this part of our. Uh, mental needs yeah and i thought wow that's a really that's fascinating and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe her next maybe she's her inner yeah. research on for her next book yeah. but yeah i thought she handled that really because she when because someone from the from the audience kind of asked that i was like oh how's she get to do this um so yeah she wasn't like oh we need the 10 commandments and all this stuff <laughs> like back in the classrooms but it was just interesting and i've i've experienced that too talking to people my age they're like yeah i've never been in a church before like mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm or like I really I don't know that story. So like I know when we preach, um, you know we can't we can't say well you know like when Peter said this mm-hmm. like we have to sit, we have to like really teach it mm-hmm. um, because yeah there's generations there's a generation that has like no knowledge of yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it was interesting how she talked about like that's missing. Um, okay, uh, so we've talked about I think you've mentioned so the catalyst for Dr. Miller's work was on the sick uh, and that that. Eight, what is it? Eight unit four? six. Yeah, unit six. Um, of doing that Yom Kippur service um, and seeing and what was the big line from that? Um, they released the prison. The chain. What did you say? Oh, it's from the book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So the the setup is that uh, she it was during her internship. So she was very early in her career. She was um, working at a psychiatric unit in Manhattan. And several of the patients on this unit, several of her patients on this unit were Jewish, as it turns out, which she didn't know because they never talked about religion on the unit. Mm. And what and what she experienced of the of the unit uh, and of the of work during that era. And this is, um, I think, early 90s, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure may even still be common Mm -hmm. is that the focus is on medication and Mm -hmm. therapeutic treatment, like group therapy and individual therapy. Um. Like those are the tools at their disposal, um, which makes sense. It's a psychiatric unit. Yeah. But uh, one day, one of her her patients, who she didn't realize was Jewish, asked what was being done for Yom Kippur, which is the holiest. It's a day of atonement. It's the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. And so she asked around and realized nothing was being done. And then that made her wonder. Well, why not? Like, if right. like we're not, this is not something we're forcing on these patients but if it's an if we can potentially meet an additional need yeah we should do that so she organized um a very um informal yom kippur service in like a empty kitchen yeah so like the back kitchen yeah. i was like okay yeah and she recognized transformation in that moment mm-hmm. um so the the liturgy, the conversations, the prayers that they had grown up with. I mean, imagine like the comfort of saying the Lord's Prayer, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way she put it is brought darkness or brought light to their darkest corner. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that this is the connection week, I believe. We talked about this, right? Because yes. it was Isaiah 9. It happened to be the lectionary text for that day, which is the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And so the the idea that spirituality, um, we'll use that word, but in this case it was actually personal conservatism, like it was actually the practice of a specific practice of faith, could in fact help in a way that medication and therapy cannot. 
it was pretty meaningful. Mm-hmm. And what I would say about that, anybody who's ever been, anyone who knows anybody who's in recovery, like 12-step recovery, um, and really knows much about recovery at all, knows that to be true. Mm-hmm. That they're, I mean, therapists are important. Medication is important. Medical diagnoses are important, all that. Um, but there is a connection with God that anyone in a 12-step group or a higher power would tell you is necessary for healing. And so, you know, AA discovered that in 1939 or whatever, late 30s. And here, how, I mean, almost, what, 60 years later, the medical community didn't really have any research to prove that that was true. I mean, we had anecdotal evidence and we had the witness of lots of people who had recovered from drug and alcohol addiction. But the idea that our brains are actually wired for that um, had not yet been discovered. And so she she spent the past 25 years finding out. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's like, well, if there's a, <clears throat> there's a spiritual reason for this, but is there a physical reason for this? And, and our technology is so good that, you know, she can, we can do uh, MRIs in addition to these long-term uh, longitudinal studies um, that can marry exper- uh, kind of experiential anecdotal data with physical data. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about, like in the keynote, she brought, I don't know why the pictures weren't in the book, but yeah. there are pictures of, like there's a red part of the brain that lit up when you were, were in prayer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the monk's brains is, I think, the one she yeah. showed it there. Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. I thought that was so cool. It it really is. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, she's her research again has proven what our faith has always told us mm-hmm. that we are created. Well, like we are, we are actually physically created for a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. This is not just a soul thing. This is not just a heart thing. This is like a brain thing. Mm-hmm. We are we are wired for connection. I think it's amazing. The prayer thing where they, I would love to read more about the particular experiment they did where they separated people in different buildings. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the skeptic in me was like, well, did they know that that was, was you know, I was like, were they informed of the study? Was it not, Mm -hmm. you know, I went through all of this, like Mm -hmm. break it down sort of thing, but that your brains are lighting up with a person like down the block Uh because you're thinking about them. Yeah. 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 That was that part. Really? I I was like, what? Well, and cause you know, that's the intrusive thought as a spiritual person when you're feeling down or you're feeling a lack of connection with God is like, is this even doing anything? Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I even doing anything right now? And so getting to see something like that is really mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting this morning I was leading in uh, the Monday morning women's Bible study and we we're talking, we're, we're studying the book of acts too. And, um, th- they were talking about like, you know, the power of the Holy spirit. Like, you know, we're not seeing these like, miracles or are these like things but then i think about those instances where like the holy spirit is still i mean i would equate that like this holy spirit able to come to different people and that that prayer and that power i'm like that is the holy spirit like it's still it just looks different Mm. now but that's just to me that's just as miraculous i feel Mm. like as things you read about and if we took a deep dive like like on quantum physics yeah And I'm a skeptic about stuff I read about quantum <laughs> physics, which is actually like science. Right. right. Um, but it all kind of fits. Like the interconnectedness of life mm-hmm. is something that theologically we argue all the time. But it's actually physically true as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah, and, the and deeper I, you go, the weirder it gets. Like if you really – like if she talked about frequencies and yeah. like all of this stuff – but if you really start reading about it, it will freak you out just a little. A bit. little. It's yeah. like it's like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, the whole thing of butterfly flaps its wings and halfway around the world, something good or bad happens. Right. Like, oh, okay, yeah. that's a good horror movie. It's a good movie. That one time with was it Ben Affleck? I don't know. Oh, the, it? yeah, yeah the butterfly, butterfly effect. effect. I think Ashton Kutcher. Oh, I think. Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Same. <laughs> but I could listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about this stuff for like hours. Talk about somebody coming from absolutely zero theological right. perspective. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he like he's like yeah I don't know that's why he calls himself agnostic because mm-hmm. he's like I can't I can't actually say it's not real I mm-hmm. don't you know it's cool yeah but which is interesting her I know in some of the chapters she was just talking about how like just that uh, that awakening to your brain like mm-hmm. the awareness 
And I did think about that, like when I'm in nature or I'm just with my family and there's just this, I don't, for me, I feel like it's this heightened awareness of just the presence of God and like everything that, uh, when you tap into it, you know, you've tapped into it. Yeah. Um, and we, you were kind of talking about the public square thing and it was interesting because in a lot of different school districts, they've like introduced meditation and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. um, with like kids who are struggling in the classroom and like Mm -hmm. breaks to have time of meditation or mindfulness and how it impacts people's like overall being of just like sitting Mm -hmm. with yourself or with a higher power or whatever. And, you know, I think all of us around this table have meditated or do meditate or have had a practice of some sort, but yeah, when you tap, when you, when you're in a state of flow, you know, you're there. Mm -hmm. It's not like, well, that was a nice thing I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My devotion this morning was talking about like, the cure for burnout is like mm-hmm. is taking this 10 minute breaks throughout the day mm-hmm. and i was like oh yeah i need to be better about that mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it. fascinating stuff it really is um okay um so we've already kind of talked about how spirituality clearly impacts our brain um and it impacts kind of our entire being mm-hmm. um okay psalm 40 how does this how does it speak to this idea of awakening <laughs> no uh that was the first one in the series, right? 40, right? Yes. Then the next week we did Isaiah 9. Um, well, it was the lectionary psalm, and it's my favorite psalm. And so um, the the beginning of that psalm is, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. And that is probably or one of the hardest things to do. Waiting, meaning like actively participating. Waiting, not let's mean like uh, ho hum. I'm waiting for the bus to get here. It's like actively preparing, actively engaging in a in a relationship with a being that you cannot see, but you know is there. Mm-hmm. And the point of that song, at least the first half of it, is that when we wait patiently for the Lord, it makes all the difference in the world. And so the the point of that week, that was the awakening attention week. Um, I, that was we gave the kind of three, a couple of real practical things: prayer, meditation, or mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm a hundred percent on board with being in schools, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and walk and being in nature, and mm-hmm. I think most people can relate to one of those two things or both. That um, you become aware of things you weren't aware of before, if you take the time to uh, meditate, which is listening, in my opinion, prayer, like communicate actively with God, and then walk around observing something bigger than yourself. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ultimately that's what life is about, and certainly the spiritual life is paying attention to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and it, the 11 o'clock service I sang, right? Did I sing that? Dude? Mm-hmm. Well, you hummed, what, the intro of the song? Yeah, yeah. I was saying it at eleven them. o'clock for sure. Oh, was I in eleven? I was there, wasn't I? I feel like I talked to you about it afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Were you about the? Yeah, you were very complimentary yeah. about that. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I thought it connected so well to a very spiritual, out that like ungrounded in reality thing. It grounded it with mm. the reality thing. It felt good. Mm. Gosh, I love that song. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the song for the listeners? Forty. Yeah, forty. Yeah, that's right. By U T. Again, they're a <clears throat> pretty famous band, I think. I I learned about them when Chris talks. About okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Which time? Just kidding. <laughs> oh, My man. husband's out there somewhere, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. We kind of brief. We already kind of talked about this a little bit, but like, how does her research confirm how we're connected to mm-hmm. each other? Yeah, I mean, she was doing the freaky brainwave thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. The alpha alpha waves, alpha waves, and, uh, whatever. And I kept pointing hurts. to the back of my head through that throughout the series without ever explaining to people that like that's where the that's where it's located. Like the spiritual part of our brain is like the back part uh, of our amygdala. brain. Yeah, is that right? I, I think that's know. right, I think but that's I, don't, right. <laughs> I don't want to get into all that in case right. there's some brain surgeon in the congregation. Be like, right. oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, so there's the like the brainwave energy connection but mm-hmm. then all, then there's just the sense of being in community you know what i mean like mm-hmm. once you're um 
that was the, the connection day is the day that I talked about, um, like all the food that's been brought mm-hmm. to our family's home mm-hmm. over the years by oftentimes by Sunday school classes, because those are the folks who are walking with you most closely right. through your walk. Church in general, of course, is important. Noticing who's there and who's not on a Sunday is important, specifically when you're, when someone notices you're not there and checks on you. Um, but then in Sunday school classes, you know, you just you experience life. Like you have, you have a lot of very deep conversations where you really learn where somebody's coming from, hopefully learn from them and not just listen to them to respond to them if you disagree with them. Um, and then if there, if somebody's sick, if somebody has a baby, if somebody loses a, a family member, like, you know, those, those life experiences that you walk, um, through together, um, they just draw you closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't help but it, but to draw you closer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of on the emotional level. But then there's this, uh, definitely a spirituality to that as well. And, you know, we're reading, I'm teaching Acts this, this, uh, semester as well mm-hmm. getting ready to go to greece and the early church was very very much about that about the connections that we foster with one another and how we support one another and how we pray together and how we share meals together and all that really i mean that's that's a different type of relationship than most of us have with most of the rest of our acquaintances mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean we might have some really close friends that we you know are always at their house and vice versa but in terms of our social groups church is pretty unique or is intended to be Yes. And so that Sunday, my pitch was get involved. And you, Reagan, are always willing to, uh, eager to start new stuff. We need to start new stuff. Um, And I also talked about getting getting our kids and and, uh, grandkids involved, children and youth. Because, I mean, there's just startling statistics in the book. Yeah. And there was one study that measured the mental health or assessed the mental health or tracked the mental health of children who shared the same spirituality as their mother um which i would assume in reality would have to mean religious setting as well probably i mean for the vast majority of cases Mm -hmm. but those children were 80 percent less likely to struggle with depression Mm -hmm. and severe mental illness yeah and that does that's setting aside things like bipolar disease and, and that kind of thing. I mean, those, there are biochemical things that are Correct. right. But, but in terms of depression and even anxiety, um, there is a, an inverse correlation to the level of spirituality and your risk for mental disease in your kids. Mm-hmm. So get them in church. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of pa- parents are, you know, um, well, we need to make sure we're in, they're in all these activities so they have a good resume for college, like that, so that prepare them for the future. I'm like, no, what really prepares? <laughs> what really prepares them for the future is grounding them. Grounding them in like, and I know yesterday was Youth Sunday, yeah, but yesterday like, was Youth Sunday, and we heard four, five yeah. testimonies yeah. in modern and traditional mm-hmm. from kids who are clearly grounded in their faith. Yeah, thanks to this church. Yeah, and those kids. I, I promise you they're going to do better than the average when they go off to their next thing, in mm-hmm. most cases college, but not always, and face the stuff that life throws at you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're better prepared when you have a, a personal devotion to God. Yeah. I reminded the parents that when I did um, communion yesterday as an intro, I was like, you know, Jesus looked at his disciples and they probably thought, we are not ready for this. Mm-hmm. And I go, parents, you're looking at your seniors thinking they're not ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I can tell you, listening to them, their foundation they're prepared and yeah, they're ready. You've done a good job, parents. So, and the community, the connection that she references and different things like that was something I noticed from the kids' testimonies. Yeah. Um is that a bunch of them mentioned an adult who is not yep. related to them. Yep. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids who if they just go to school and just go to sports, they have like less than two adults mm-hmm. who are not their parents <clears throat> that are a part of their support system. Yep. yep, yep that they're not related mm-hmm. to and you're like so many more percentiles likely to have like less things fall apart when you have more adults as yeah. a kid that you mm-hmm. can lean on not that parents can't do it parents just can't do it all no 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 they no i mean that old african proverb there mm-hmm. it takes a village that's mm-hmm. true like they need um healthy relationships with trusted adults mm-hmm. and specifically spiritual adults like max preached in modern and it's so clear 
that that kid has been surrounded by people who are spiritually invested in him his entire life. It's mm-hmm. so clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, that's, I desire that for every family in our church, mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your children and youth should be coming to church, uh, for their own sake, for the, for the sake of their development as a fully formed human being. Mm-hmm. And to develop that spiritual part of their brain, which Lisa Miller's research cl- is clear, has a like a protective element mm-hmm. to some of the tougher things that, that people go through. Yeah. It's awesome. It is. Um, we had Andy's birthday party on Saturday. And just looking around, like, my best friends are there that have, like, loved her and held, held her and babysat her and taken to things and showed up to her events. And I just think, gosh, I'm so lucky, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. But, like, she knows – she just loves them and they love her and I know they're going to be there for her and she can go to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we joke about like whose house is she going to run away to or like, you know, like when she gets older, yeah. but I'm like thankful that she's going to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pray for her and it's, I don't know. There's nothing like it. No, it's there's so not. Important. There's really not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You mentioned in, let's see, was this week three, the five common human values that Dr. Mill's research found? Yes. And how do they line up with our beliefs or practices? I think it was last week. Yep, it was. I okay. got the manuscript here. Um, let me get to my right page. I think that was in section two. Oh my gosh, his sermons are so organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here it is. It is in section two. Um, okay, so the five. And so, okay, let me just go back and refresh my memory because it was a big study of. Um, Okay, so part of her research has been to identify these spiritual commonalities among different traditions. And she didn't just want – she wanted the world's largest religion, so she included Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. And then she also studied people who were – and this is a quote from the book – non-religious, secular, or spiritual, but not religious. <clears throat> and she wanted to know, are there, are there values that we share across religions? And the way I would express this theologically is – um, does the Holy Spirit move in ways beyond our Christian faith mm-hmm. that are consistent? And the obvious answer is yes. And the Bible says so, mm-hmm. right? Acts says so. Oh, yeah. John says so. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it, it very much irritates the very religious people in the Bible mm-hmm. went to, to hear that God's moving elsewhere. Yes. I mean, they, they, they <laughs> fuss and complain about that. When Peter makes that uh, point to the apostles, they're like, hey, no, it's, it literally says they criticized him for his idea. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that <laughs> chapter in Acts, it's in the 10th chapter, I believe, maybe the 11th. We this, re- read it last night in Bible study is Peter could have said, look, I'm Peter, mm-hmm. right? I'm raising people from the dead. I'm out here putting my life on the line and I'm the one Jesus left in charge. So this is the way it's going to be, <laughs> but he doesn't. He explains to them what he has experienced among Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And here we could probably say, oh, my God, Gentiles? Really? <sighs> they smell weird. They look funny. Yeah. Uh, and he says he, the best line in Acts, in my opinion, Peter says, who am I to hinder God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the very next line says, and there was silence among the group. <laughs> yeah. Because he could have just pulled rank. He, he could have just said, look, y'all just got to do what I'm telling you to do. <clears throat> but he doesn't. Um, anyway, so some of these, <clears throat> sorry, some of these ways that, some of these values that are common. So altruism, which means um, caring about the welfare of others. And then a kind of intense or more intense version of that is love of neighbor. So not just caring about them, but loving. So it's two different things. Altruism, love of neighbor, a sense of, a sense of unity slash shared humanity. Uh, a practice of sacred transcendence. So obviously religious traditions all have their own practices, but even people who are spiritual but not religious have some way that they express that in nature or whatever. Um, and then adherence to a moral code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's not, for a Methodist preacher, there's not enough Jesus stuff in there, but those, <laughs> those five, <laughs> those five values are pretty consistent. Yeah. And when we talked to her, when she was here, um, like I, this is one of those things where we're like deep in conversation. I said, I love the, the five values thing. And she's like, which one do you think is the most important? You know, so like, <laughs> I said, well, actually love of neighbor, I would say, is the one that resonates the most with me um, on this. And she said, that is the one 
and I don't think she was just buttering me up. She yeah. said, that's the one that scored the highest among the five. Hmm. Like it's, it's really? show, yeah, it okay. shows up the the most strongly across all groups. Love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. I said so. Jesus was on something. Yeah, yep. smart fellow. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, okay, you opened up uh, this episode with the passage from Micah. Yeah. Um, how does Micah six eight point to these human values? Yeah, I, I think. Um, I think there's a twofold. I love Micah six eight. It's my my favorite Old Testament verse. It's on my green stole, which I wear half of the Sundays of the year. We based our whole youth ministry around it in uh, Arapahoe back in the day. Um, I think that it both gives us a um, a set of practices for living the awakened life, and reflects what it looks like when we are awakened. Mm. It's both and. <clears throat> And it's, I mean, the rabbis by the first century thought that it was the most beautiful slash complete summary of the law. They weren't given up on the 600 and however many commandments, 13 commandments. But if you're going to summarize them, uh, and it's really interesting how they show up in Micah 6, 8. It's to do justice. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like to act justly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, to love kindness, not just to do kind things, and then to walk humbly with God. And Jesus, of course, narrows those down to love God, love neighbor. Um, but that's a really beautiful expression of what it looks like to live the faithful life. And, um, you know, I, that first one, the first one listed to, uh, to do justice, that one should push us the hardest, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's easy to feel good about, you know, serving food to mm-hmm. people who need food um, or to um, take food to somebody in your Sunday school class. It's kind of all about food from Methodist <laughs> or, yeah. to you know, sort clothes in a clothes closet. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't feel good about doing that? That's probably why it's um, on one of the uh, like altruisms, one of the five values. Of course, we feel good about that. But. To act justly, to do justice means to ask why somebody's hungry mm-hmm. and then be willing to do something about it. Yeah. Yep. And then you get to meddling. Ooh, meddling. <laughs> yeah. Good trouble. <laughs> then you get in good trouble. Yeah. Yeah. My um, my uh, pastoral leadership co- cohort that I'm in, so I was in Austin the week before, and we were learning about ministry in the public square. And so we had someone from Texas Impact which is this faith organization. There's great work. And she was teaching, okay, this is how you, how you um, help your congregants go present to the Capitol. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. But it was like, <laughs> this is how we're doing justice. I was like, okay, okay. Um, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that justice part, I was like, yeah, I can uh, donate a little bit of money here and feel like I'm doing like that justice work, but like really like doing it. Mm. I'm like, oh Yeah. Yeah, so I I became a Methodist at Arapaho. Uh, Jack Soper was the pastor, and that was a congregation that was diverse um, politically, um, but that was okay when he would put petitions out mm-hmm. to sign on to send to our elected officials mm-hmm. re- regarding you know whatever the policy thing was, immigration stance or. Um, I mean, for Jack back in the back in the day before Rappo was like uh, nuclear proliferation stuff. It was you know stuff that's kind of hot button. Yeah. And you know, twenty years ago, you could you could do that um, in a way that wouldn't alien like that wouldn't feel partisan mm-hmm. because it's about policy. It's not about who you're voting for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to do that now. The climate is much is more divided now. So that, you know, if we put out, like, uh, for instance, I, I've been against the death penalty my entire life. Um, I was raised Catholic. The Catholic Church definitely is. And before anybody says, well, if you lost somebody, I did. My grandmother w- attended the execution of somebody who killed a relative of mine when I was in college. So it's, you know, it's, it's not an academic mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. Um, Methodist Church is very clear. We're anti-death penalty. But if you were to put a death, an anti-death penalty <laughs> petition in the narthex on Sunday, um, 
you know, some people would get very upset about that because it, it, it would um, it would seem to too closely align to a particular party's position, mm-hmm. and therefore to a particular party when it is in fact a policy thing. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. And I just feel like the climate's different now than it was twenty years ago, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because we should be able to talk about you know how we treat um, asylum seeking foreigners. <laughs> Without it, you know, turning into a this politician's mean and this politician's weak kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, that's part of doing justice. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's interesting. Some people conundrum. would rather you just not bring any of it up in this building at all, Chris. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. Some well, of that's over the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just got to take a lot of the Bible out. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> But I do think there's a balance, and um, I was talking to my husband about this, who's who's at Arapaho, mm-hmm. and we're talking about, um, and then after my weekend at my leadership thing, just talking about how some churches get so consumed with the the social holiness, they forget about the personal holiness, mm-hmm. and how do we how do we become a church that is both? Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be sometimes hard for the Methodist Church because sometimes we're really focused on the justice work, which is great, yeah. but we forget about that personal growth and all of that and so finding a a good balance to that i don't remember where i read it but i read something that was talking about like becoming a whole believer it was like essentially referencing this like you know your politics at home or your stance when you're at church or whatever like we have to learn to become whole people we've become segmented people Mm -hmm. we've become people who are one thing on the internet and another thing in person we've become this person in this group and this person at that group and when it comes to like defining our beliefs we're supposed to seek wholeness Mm. of self Mm -hmm. and how those lines we draw sometimes keep us from acting whole being this one person in these different areas i think is there's an expectation like check this box check that Mm -hmm. one and you're like but i don't fit in any of the box right (laughs) you know because the political climate is so divisive I, I think there is an increasing desire people have for areas of respite mm-hmm. where yeah. I don't have to oh, yeah. I don't have to engage that mm-hmm. that like because it's so in my face on yeah. social media and whatever TV channel I watch and I'm not unsympathetic to that at all um, I get it but when we do talk about things um, my message really consistently is, um, that they're, when people say they don't want their preachers or their uh, sermons or whatever to be political, mm-hmm. what, they're, what they're saying, what they mean is to be partisan, mm-hmm. right? It's not my place to tell anybody how to vote. But the notion that the church should not have a position on social issues is inconsistent with 2,000 years of Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem is that the climate that we're in um, and have been for, you know, Increasingly so, really, I would say for the past 20 years. Um, it just makes people want to have a place of where that, like mm-hmm. a sanctuary from that. Right. Yeah. And uh, I get it. I really do get it. On the other hand, you, we can't be negligent um, about the tough things in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we I, I tend to talk about that kind of stuff more in the commentaries than I do on Sundays just because... You know, we're all trying to grow together, and we're all trying to um, uh, focus on the mission of reaching new people. And uh, so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Micah, yeah. Micah would be grumpy about that. I think yeah. Yeah. Is what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was silence. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, after reading the Awakened Brain and knowing what you do, how can someone become awakened? Is there a process, a journey? So what do you what do you feel like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, um, I mean, obviously, I believe that needs, that has to happen in the church. So, spiritual awakening can happen in other places, but I, but as a Methodist pastor, I think a close connection to your community of faith is the is the best way to nurture that part of our brains. Um, there are personal devotional practices that I think everybody should have: prayer and meditation every day reading scripture in some way every day. Um, but that can't, for us, that cannot happen outside of connection to a community. And so 
um, you know, the, the first step obviously is to walk through the door and to start paying attention and, and worship or start being intentional about that worship experience. Um, man, by the way, I would say the same thing that you can't just do the connection in Sunday school without going to worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's not doing it right either. Like there, it's both. And mm-hmm. it's this yeah. worshipful moment where as a community of faith, we gather to worship God and then we go into our smaller groups, whatever those are for us and grow in our faith in smaller groups together. And then to be intentional about what we're hearing and learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and to be in, intentionally growing in our faith. And when we do that, it doesn't mean that we're never going to be depressed or never going to experience anxiety or never going to go through hard things, obviously. But it does mean that we'll be more resilient in the face of those experiences and diagnoses in life. Mm-hmm. And that's what that, <laughs> what Lisa has proved proven is that that's literally the way God created us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just a wonderful development yeah. of the past 25 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what else, anything else from the book or that she said that was particularly. Try to think. Um, we've, we've covered the highlights truly. Yeah. And I, I think, um, if people do take the time to uh, invest in it and the, and reading it, the time and reading it, um, that they'll be blessed by that. Yeah. The, I did the, I did a mix of the audio book and reading it and did whoever, she, read it? she didn't read okay. it, but someone else, but the person who read it did a really good job. Yeah. I think she kind of captured um, her voice for that. Um, That's great. So looking ahead, we'll, we'll, we're going to read, I'll read the end of the book at the end of the yes. podcast. Yeah, you're good. Uh, so looking ahead we've got <clears throat> Esther for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Great book. Mm-hmm. No mention of God. Nope. Direct mention of God, but it's still a great book. Really? No, nope. it's the only book of the Bible that there's no, God's not named. Help, help comes from another quarter. Oh. What it says. I mean, obviously they're Jewish and very, sure, sure, you sure, know, sure, very sure. faithful. So it's yeah. about that community, but there's know. no mention of God, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, man, it's Lent. That's already here. Oh, yeah. How did that happen? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> we, just, we just finished with Christmas. I know. It's what it feels like. Yeah. Yes. Especially very much with, so. with last week feeling a bit lost. <laughs> I feel a little right. like callback to like COVID fog. Yeah, right. after yeah, 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 yeah. Just a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm just like, well, there we are. Bring out the purple. And we're doing a, uh, so the, and the window that we're focusing on mm-hmm. this month is the communion window. And I think we have a very special guest, Pastor Emeritus, going to be talking about that in a video. Yeah. So people are going to want to be in church to see that. Mm-hmm. And then um, any other major stuff we need to plug? I think those are the two big things. Yeah. Big thing. Just Lent. You have your class that's yeah. going to get started for Lent. And- yeah. Lent class will start that Tuesday. Um, and then we've got a Sunday night dinner mm-hmm. at the end of the month. That's fun. And marriage night. So, yeah. As a church throughout Lent, we're going to be reading Matthew together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pastors did a good job with those devotionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some great devotionals and then we have a daily reading schedule so that you can kind of make your way all the way through Matthew with us and those devotionals each day are going to like pick apart a piece of that reading so mm-hmm. you'll feel like you're getting the scripture and then you're also getting some perspective and some scripture and some perspective and by the time we get to Easter we're going to be like experts on Matthew. That's right. Which is great. Great. <laughs> it's a good good gospel to read. Yeah. yeah. So it's going it's Wednesday, uh, February 22nd. Is that Wednesday? And we have a mm-hmm. 6 p.m. family service in Underwood Hall and then a 7 p.m. service in the in the sanctuary, which is always a really beautiful way to start the season. That's going to be great. All right. Well, so we'll close then with yeah. uh, this part of the book, I, so I paraphrased a, a, a paragraph before the last sentence and then included the last sentence. I think it's just a really nice way to, to uh, these, she summarizes the book in a nice way yeah. in this section. And I'm just thankful that when she started, someone was like, well, we don't do spiritual things here, mm-hmm. Lisa. And she was like, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I'm so thankful. Can you imagine if she'd been like, okay, I guess we can't do that. Wait, what do you mean? Like. Her supervisor was like, we don't oh, do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, back on Unit 6 back in yeah. the day. And yeah, yeah. like the fact that she said, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. So because there's something that. here to learn. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, great. She's awesome. So shout out to you, Lisa, if you're listening. To yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So each and every moment, we have a choice of how we see ourselves and the world. 
We can live chasing goals and rewards, lost in worries and regrets, or we can awaken to the true fabric of the world, an evolving tapestry that we both behold and help create. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. In which every thread matters, amen, and no strand stands alone. Also, amen. In the very last sentence of the book, the awakened brain and the reality it illuminates is not the privileged insight of a lucky few, but the birthright of all. Mm-hmm. That's it's great. That's good work. Such a, such a, um, it was a very fulfilling study. Yes. For me. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my question. Um, looking back on this and as we close up this sermon series and turn towards a new one, um, y'all spend, you know, Chris goes into the wilderness and munches on locusts to think about <laughs> what, uh, what, what scriptures we're going to be studying throughout the year. And so they're planned massively in mm-hmm. advance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, do you all feel like this sermon series brought anything specifically to your attention you did not expect or met your expectations or didn't meet your expectations? Kind of, it's fascinating to me how far ahead you're able to see this vision and then mm. once it closes... I'm interested to know how y'all feel about it. Chris? <laughs> so, I mean, theologically, I would say that's the Holy Spirit at work. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, th- this one in particular, this series in particular, exceeded my expectations. I, I didn't expect to like the book as much as I did. I thought it would be interesting and compelling. Um. But I just resonated with, like, from the time I started reading it until the time I finished it. I read it mostly over the um, over the holiday break mm-hmm. <laughs> while we were in exile from our flooded house down <laughs> in San Marcos at my mother-in-law's house. And I'd sit up on our back patio, and Whitney would be, you know, working on her laptop, and I'd be, like, talking back to the book. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd laugh out loud. She's like, gosh, you really like that, don't you? <clears throat> and I did. And I, I thought that... Um, the fact that it aligned so closely with the the Old Testament lectionary texts mm-hmm. that we ended up preaching from was affirmation mm-hmm. that we were on the right track. And just the feedback that we've gotten from congregation members for whom this, this was particularly meaningful um, also was great affirmation. So, you know, there's some sermon series that I'm happy we did. And um, uh, in retrospect, you know, it's great. Some of those, you know, that I would not preach again sure, or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but this one, this one exceeded expectations, truly. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, everything's connected. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the Holy Spirit was at work for sure as we were planning for it and preaching it. Yeah. I think since um, Chris uh, plans a sermon series, you know, my task is like, okay, what people really like this book. So mm-hmm. what kind of studies can we offer going forward that would tap that science part that people maybe are seeking or if it's mental health. Um, so that's kind of, okay, where do we go from here? Right. Um, for me, mm-hmm. it's like study wise and classes and all that, or bringing another speaker, what, what it could look like for our church. Yeah. I feel like from the, like y'all, y'all keep referencing like the good response we've gotten. And, you know, we even had a survey where people kind of shared some more details with us and I've read those. And, um, to Chris, to your point about the Holy Spirit, it seems like we hit the nail on the head for mm. the timing mm. of this particular sermon mm-hmm. series and this particular topic. Mm. It really resonated with people in this moment, mm. which is great. And yeah, a huge affirmation towards doing more with mm-hmm. mental health and the science and application of spirituality. Cause I don't know. I think that's what I took away from it. The most is I've been seeking a lot of new ways to try and like, deal with anxiety and deal with this, you know, everybody's going through this kind of stage right now where we're very aware of how anxious or how, yeah. how everything feels upside down to that last, uh, dias, uh, dysthymia, dysthymia yeah. <laughs> to deal with the dysthymia. Um, so I feel like when we, when I heard of this the first time I was excited, but I didn't know exactly how well the plane was going to land. Mm. I think this, I think I really liked it. I'm looking forward to what we're going to get to do together next. Yeah. 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 With what comes whatever. next, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And if we can be known as the congregation that really is vocal about taking this mm-hmm. subject seriously and providing resources for people, um, then that, that will have been a very good outcome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so we'll be back in a couple weeks, I suppose, talking mm-hmm. about Esther. Yeah. And then uh, then it's on to Lent. So appreciate y'all being with us. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with our next edition of Offscript. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.